The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings and welcome to the Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm John Howard, and I'm happy to say our special guest today is Kim Alexander of the California Voter Foundation. Kim, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for inviting me, John. It's great to be with you. Um, you may have known, I didn't mention Tim Foster. He's on the road going up to Oregon to an automobile convention, uh, a Crossley car convention. So uh, Tim and I are going to, uh, Kim and I are going to have a conversation ourselves. So Kim, uh, first off, you mentioned earlier about this U.S. Senate race. Uh, what's going on with the Senate race in the primary, in the June 7th primary? Yeah, we have this kind of confusing election, uh, as is often the case with California elections, they can be a little complex. And in in this election, we have uh, two U.S. Senate contests on the ballot featuring the same current appointed U.S. Senator Alex Padilla. And that is not a typo. Um, this is resulting from a new law requiring an election to fill a vacant term. And that election happens to coincide with the seat's regularly scheduled election. So we we have this confusing situation right at the top of the ballot, and some voters may get thrown by that. So we're trying to get the word out that um, that's what we're doing. And your voter guide is, you've just put your voter guide out, right? What is the URL for that? How do we see it if we want to take a look? The California Voter Foundation's online guide is on our website at www.calvoter.org. And this is the 31st edition of our voter guide that we have published. We started way back in 1994, almost 30 years ago, with our very first online voter guide. Um, It was actually one of only six internet sites relating to the 1994 elections in the entire world. And uh, now, of course, there are thousands and thousands of sites about the election. Um, so we've, we've been doing this continuously uh, since then. And um, our new guide has a new graphic, and it links out to all the great resources that we think voters are going to find the most useful to help them make informed, confident choices. We're also in a redistricting year. Yeah. Um, how, how is that playing out in the elections as, as you see? What's going on? I think it's going to be challenging for voters also because we're in new political districts and we've had some weird situations where, you know, whoever you elected to city council or to the assembly or to Congress may no longer be your representative and you may see someone else on your ballot whose name you're not familiar with. So that's going to confuse voters. Um, So we're definitely trying to get the word out that, you know, we have these new districts. We do this every 10 years. We redraw all the political district lines so that politicians are representing an equal number of people. And uh, the result is that, voters can end up in a new political district. And so we've got, you know, more competition too, because of that, you've got you've got politicians who might be sitting lawmakers, but who are having to introduce themselves to lots of new potential constituents. And so you have, you know, more competition when you have redistricting, especially in California and the legislative and congressional seats, we have an independent redistricting commission that draws these lines based on communities of interest and not based on politicians' uh, desires to keep certain constituents for themselves. So uh, that can make for more competition as well. Have you seen any districts where 
we've seen this in the past occasionally where somebody gets squeezed out, two incumbents have to battle it out for one district. I know that happened before the independent commission, but do you see any of that now or is that more or less a thing of the past? Well, I'm not, I have to be honest, I'm not paying as close attention to all those machinations as some folks are. So I, I, I do know that there are some people who are scrambling, some people that chose to run for a different office completely. Yeah. Um, in my own city in Sacramento, my city council person was Katie Valenzuela, and she's no longer my city council person. Um, and she's now representing people in another community part of the city who didn't elect her. And so that's created a lot of confusion, even before this election, that created a, a lot of confusion. Um, so there are voters finding themselves in that situation in lots of jurisdictions around the country. I'm sorry, there are voters finding themselves in that situation around the state. Mm -hmm. You think um, voters are get educated in any, in any meaningful way about the way redistricting works? There are a lot of news stories about it. There's information out there, but Seems like voters get surprised when they actually go to the ballot box or if they mail from home, uh, either way. Well, you know, it's one of those arcane terms that's kind of inside baseball. People, you know, don't know what it means. Or when you throw around the word gerrymander, that's also something that people are like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Um, some folks say, you know, we should stop calling it redistricting and just say you have new districts and not even use the term redistricting. Um, and no, I don't think voters fully understand it. I mean, we only do it every 10 years. And I, I do think people understand the census be because we all take the census and we all have to respond to that. And so, you know, I, I do think people are informed at that time why it's important to be counted, but whether they understand that that means two years later, you're in different political districts, I, I really couldn't say. Yeah. You know, um, I know we've talked about this before, um, but I really like going to the poll, to the precinct, you know, to going to the poll. So like, like going to a neighborhood poll, you know, who's in the garage somewhere and he's got <laughs> the banners out and stuff, which used to happen all the time. And you see your neighbors and you can talk with people. And also, however inaccurately, none of my poll polling stations ever were bellwethers. If mine was mobbed, then you knew it was going to be a light election. <laughs> if mine was really light, it was probably a landslide of some sort. But I still like that, but that's um, a thing of the past. And I was looking at the numbers, mail-in, according to numbers on the Secretary of State's website, um, mail-in vote 92% in 2021. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just amazing. And it's gone up with a couple of exceptions that were sort of flat line back-to-back -back elections. It's gone up dramatically just year by year by year by year. So obviously, it's a lot. Everybody likes it. What's the great advantage of mail-in voting, aside from you can sit on your couch or, you know, do your thing and put it in a mailbox or something? What's, what's the big advantage? Well, one advantage of what we're doing now in California, which we started doing during the pandemic in 2020, and we continued during the recall election last year, is that we're mailing every registered voter a ballot. And the good thing about that is that it really gets... The, the ballot under the voters noses, you know, it's like coming right to their home. They don't have to think about whether they want to go somewhere and vote. So I do think it makes the election more front and center for more people. 
Um, and we also have very good laws now in California. We didn't always, but California Voter Foundation and other groups uh, worked hard to get them changed to require that those return envelopes be postage paid, that if people forget to sign the envelope or if their signature doesn't look enough like their original registration signature, that they are contacted and invited to submit a valid signature so their ballot isn't automatically rejected, which used to happen. Um, so we've made a lot of improvements with vote by mail. And a lot of people like it because, you know, we have long, complicated ballots. I mean, I looked through my June ballot and I have 23 contests on my ballot at the state, federal and local levels of government. There's 131 candidates. Eight of them are listed. Eight of them are listed twice because of those two U.S. Senate contests. So that's 124 unique candidates. And that's a lot of homework to do. And so I think that, you know, it, it relieves some of the pressure some people might feel being at a voting site, voting in real time. Maybe people are waiting. Maybe you want to do some more research and you feel like you don't have that time. So I think that's a benefit. Some people want to vote. Uh, their vote by mail ballot, but they don't want to return it through the mail. They want to take it to a drop box, which is increasingly popular. There are official drop boxes all throughout the state, or they walk it into a voting place and turn it in in person, which is kind of the best of both worlds, um, because you can uh, make sure that your envelope is, they will make sure your envelope is signed before they accept it. Some people, though, don't want to do any of that. They just want to cast an in-person ballot, and they, they don't want to have to wonder if their signature is going to check out and if their ballot's going to get counted, they want that satisfaction of going to a voting site, filling out a ballot, dropping it in the box and being done with it. And the good news is you can do that in California as well. Um, it's not as, as widely utilized at this point as vote by mail balloting is, but every county has some form of in-person voting. They either have uh, neighborhood polling places that are available you know, in your local area that you can walk to on election day that are open on a single day, like that garage you you mentioned you yeah. might have voted in in the past. Yeah. Or or we have counties now that are called Voters' Choice Act counties that have gotten rid of those neighborhood polling places, replaced them with countywide vote centers that, oh, yeah. while fewer in number, are open to all voters countywide and open over multiple days, including election day. So, you know, we have a variety of things going on in, this, in the state, and our website at calvoter.org has a map that shows county by county which counties are doing what so voters can anticipate you know what their in-person voting options are does the vote by mail affect the count or the timing of the account or when it comes out uh how does that work yeah that's a great question and yes it absolutely does affect the counting process because it's it's the now the case that a lot of those ballots come in on election day or right before election day or even in the days following the election as long as your ballot's postmarked by election day if it doesn't arrive through the mail for up to a week after the election it will still get counted as long as it's postmarked by election day um so that means that you know those those ballots that are coming in right around election day or immediately after the election, those get counted last. And if there are a lot of them and you have a close contest, you may be waiting days or even weeks if it's super close to know what the outcome of that contest is. And so that can create some real pressure on election offices. They do work very hard 
to to get those vote by mail ballots processed as quickly as they can and they can pre-process them before election day everything they've received but they can't count them before election day so they'll they'll get like sacramento county uh, i i met with the the registrar's office at a community meeting this morning they have 30 32,000 ballots in Sacramento County right now, as of today. They um, are processing all of them, checking to make sure they have signatures. They have 170 that didn't have signatures or have signature issues. They're already contacting those voters. So they're, but those ballots are all staying uh, sealed and closed. Nobody's looking at them or counting them, but they're able to, to verify the voters and then go in and, and update their uh, voter registration system to indicate that person has voted so that if somebody who cast a vote by mail ballot then wanders into a vote center and says hey i want to vote they have it on the record this person's already voted yeah um the issue of fraud always comes up not so much in california but it's a political issue obviously in a lot of other states across the country california i mean i've covered elections professionally for too long <laughs> since 1980 <laughs> okay so and I, I remember one or two instances of fraud, and they weren't what people are thinking about uh, doctored ballots or improper voting kind of thing. Have you ever come across it? And if so, is it a significant issue that you had fraud in, turning, in terms of election fraud? I have come across in my, you know, nearly 30 years of working in California elections, a handful of instances that I've read about in the news where somebody cast ballots on behalf of someone else and those cases are prosecuted and those people are sent to jail so it, it it's not that it never happens it just happens very rarely yeah. when when it does happen um there are serious consequences and and registrars of voters and district attorneys take it very seriously and prosecute those those instances when they happen I think there's a lot of misunderstanding among voters about how the voting process works. You know, when you hear everybody's getting a ballot in the mail, people may think, oh, well, someone's going to try to vote twice, get vote that vote by mail ballot, then go to a voting site, vote in person. And they're not always aware of everything that's going on behind the scenes to keep our elections secure. So a lot of election officials are actually working right now to develop more guides and resources on their website to make the process more transparent to people so they can understand all the checks and balances that go into the voting process. I, I learned this lesson myself the hard way. I'll I'll tell you a little story. When when we first introduced the Voters' Choice Act in Sacramento, I got my ballot in the mail and I wanted to try out the, the vote center uh, ballot printing uh, technology because every vote center in Sacramento, you can print a ballot out there as well. So I went to a vote center and I asked them to print out a ballot for me and they printed out a ballot. And then I went to another vote center and asked them to print out a ballot for me and they printed out a ballot. Vote and, early and vote often, right? Okay. Well, and so, and then I'm thinking, oh, they shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't keep giving me these ballots. Well, I ended up voting the original ballot that I got in the mail from the registrar's office and it initially was rejected and the staff of the re county registrar's office was like why is kim alexander's ballot getting rejected you know like she knows how to do this and so it turned out that that what was happening and i was not aware of was that every time i asked for a new ballot the ballot that i had initially been uh, issued was canceled so that's going on behind the scenes if you ask for a new ballot and you've got a ballot out and you know maybe you have it maybe you received it maybe you didn't whatever 
it's going to get canceled. So if somebody tries to vote it or you try to vote it, it's going to show up that you tried to vote twice. And you could get prosecuted for that. I mean, occasionally people yeah. will vote twice, honestly, not remembering that they had already voted. Um, so, you know, that can happen. But um, for the most part, you know, there are a lot of controls uh, in, in the background that voters aren't aware of that are making sure that everybody gets a ballot, everybody votes once, uh, um, and all vote all ballots are verified and signatures verified before those ballots are counted a, a similar thing happened to me i got a a ballot mailed to me uh but i didn't know it had been mailed to me and i didn't have it uh, it came into the house and i not that i ever miss mail as jody and tim would probably tell you but at least email but i didn't know what happened to my ballot so i went into the uh voting center and uh, asked to get a ballot and they were very, I finally got one by signing some paperwork and some other stuff. And I, I did get one and I was able to vote. Um, but if you have any uh, tendency to misplacing your mail, especially during election time when it's a lot of flyers and other things, yeah. um, you got to be extra careful. At least that was the lesson I learned. So, yeah. And the nice thing is that, I mean, it used to be that, you know, when you got a vote by mail ballot, um, if you went to your polling place and you'd been issued a vote by mail ballot, they would ask you to to file a, a provisional ballot, not a regular ballot, and have to go through some extra paperwork. Now with our vote centers, one advantage is they're networked to the county elections office. So if you were issued a ballot and you don't have it and you show up at a vote center and say, I want to vote, they can cancel that ballot that you were issued right there on the spot. And yeah. will before they give you uh, a, a new ballot to vote. Kim, one last question. Do you have any sense of uh, turnout? It always comes up. Everybody guesses. All we know is that primary elections typically have lighter turnout than other elections. And special elections typically have lighter turnout than primary elections. You mentioned the secretary, uh, Sacramento County Registrar is talking about th they're processing 32,000, 30,000 yeah. plus ballots. Any indication what? you know, along the line, how that works in elections. Are we going to have a heavy turnout or light? Do you have any thoughts about that? You know, I hope it's a healthy turnout. I mean, we, we often don't see a huge turnout in this type of election. But on the other hand, there are a lot of really hotly contested local contests on the ballot in, in the Sacramento area and all around the state. People have really uh, been focusing on the role that local government plays in the wake of the, the coronavirus pandemic, you know, the role of the boards of supervisors, the school boards, um, the registrars of voters. We have registrars that are being challenged for the first time ever. Um, and so there's a lot of interest in local contests and those contests are on this ballot too. Contests for district attorney, for sheriff, for, for DA, um, all these local offices, and it, many of them are going to be decided this election. So, you know, some people unfortunately think, oh, it's the primary election. I'm going to show up in November when it's the final choice. But yep. for local contests, this is often the final choice now. You're not going to get a chance uh, to, to vote on a, the final candidates in November if it's a two-person contest like we have in our in our DA's race and our sheriff's race in, in Sacramento. Um, so I, I really hope that people will pay attention and get out. Those, those local contests, you know, have a lot to do with so many things in in our lives law enforcement homelessness you know many of these issues that people are very concerned about in terms of what's going on in their communities 
those local office holders are the ones that can really have an impact. So um, there is a lot on the ballot. It's not a test. You don't have to vote on everything. You can skip contests that you don't feel confident about. I always tell people it's just really important to be a voter. Um, because politicians pay attention to the people who vote. And if you and people in your age group or your demographic group aren't voting, then you don't have the influence that you deserve in the California elections. Great. Fair enough. Kim Alexander, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, we're going to go on with this feature called Who Had the Worst Week in California Politics? Our guests rarely like to participate, but I got to give you the invite. If you're interested, hang on. If not, we'll talk to you later and we'll go on to this other feature. I'm going to let you leave you to that. Thanks a lot, John. <laughs> okay. Talk to you later. And so uh, we gently segue into who had the worst week in California politics. The worst week. Worst week. Worst week. And today, uh, Tim and I were chatting earlier about this. Today, we thought we'd give it to the city of Anaheim. And we don't really always give this uh, award, if you call it an award, to a city. But Anaheim really this time seems to stand out. Los Angeles Times has done some amazing reporting on Anaheim's secret governing process. It turns out that there's been an investigation, a corruption investigation going on for quite some time in Anaheim, uh, at least a year and a half. Um, it involves some allegations against the mayor. It involves allegations involving a local political consultant, uh, former Chamber of Commerce in some fashion is also getting looked at. Bottom line is that they're people who meet secretly or who have met secretly to sort of determine policy in Anaheim. And it doesn't make elected a government and publicly elected government look all that good. So for Anaheim, you have this week's award for who had the worst week in California politics. Hopefully it'll be the last time you have it, but this week you got it. So this John Howard at Capital Weekly's podcast saying thank you very much for joining us and we will talk to you next time around. Adios. The Capital Weekly podcast is produced by Tim Foster for Open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot and we'll see you next week.